Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Tilly Edge with me, Shea Phelan. In this week's episode, I'm going to discuss winter oilseed rape as an option for tillage farmers with Kieran Collins, Chagas Crops Specialist. I first ask Kieran, how are crops doing this year? Winter oilseed rape, Shea, I suppose it could be considered a good year. I think a uh, good few growers have hit that kind of two tonne per acre target this year at reasonable moistures. I suppose a little bit like the cereal harvest, you know, there are variations throughout the country, but I think rape wasn't as affected by that drought maybe in April and May. And I think most growers of winter oilseed rape this year would be would be quite happy with, with the yields that they got, you know. Yeah, and I suppose it's it's one of those years where, where oilseed rape seems to have outperformed other crops. And are there any other benefits out there, Kieran, that you, that growers should be aware of for the likes of rape crops, likes of, of winter oilseed rape, that over, say, tillage, tillage or cereal crops? Yeah, I suppose, it, I, I think it has a massive role to play in an overall rotation, you know. Um, I mean, we do a Chagas Harvest Report every year and like it's no coincidence that the higher yields, especially in the likes of winter wheat and winter wheat is our most profitable cereal crop, you know, and a lot of those higher yields tend to come after break crops and, and rape is an, an especially good rape, rape, uh, break crop there, you know. Um, and look, in addition, I suppose soil improvements, you know, it's a deep rooting plant. Um, and also, I suppose, in the context of, uh, you know, the EU Green Deal, farm to fork and integrated pest management, you know, where we're trying to reduce the amount of pesticides and fertilizer used, you know, a good break crop, you know, any great break crop, but especially the likes of oilseed rape, certainly does help to lower that disease pressure over what you might have with continuous cereals and maybe lead to an overall reduction of, of uh, pesticides and fertilizer as well, you know. Yeah, and I suppose it's, it's one of those crops that do, it seems to have hit a plateau in the last couple of years. Roughly speaking, what area is grown and, or, or do you know, what's the size of the industry and what, what are the main uses of oilseed rape in, in Ireland? Yeah, I suppose in around eight and a half thousand hectares is where the area has sort of stabilised at. It was it was a bit higher there at one stage. I suppose you have a kind of a cohort of very committed growers at this stage, um, you know. Uh, but I think there is big scope, you know, in the system to to increase that from eight and a half thousand hectares, given the benefits that 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 rape provides as a break crop, you know. I suppose in terms of the industry and the structure itself, most of or a lot of what we produce is actually exported. And that's mainly due to the lack of uh, crushing capacity in, in Ireland, you know. I suppose the market itself for oilseed rape is quite diverse. Um, a lot of it is used for meal. It ends up in for meal, for animal feed, uh, some oil for, for, for biodiesel. And there are some maybe kind of niche and specialised markets then. And I suppose the one that, that sort of catch capturing the limelight a little bit now is the food grade oil you know that we use for cooking and that now it's still a very small market but it's certainly uh, something that's increasing and it's it's something that we can do in Ireland very very well and it's 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 probably a growing market I suppose you know yeah and there are health benefits I believe for for the crushed cold, cold pressed oil seed rape over other vegetable oils as well so it's certainly a market that could be tapped into a bit more all right um in terms of sowing Kieran, I know most growers are busy at the moment with the harvest, but is there an ideal time for sowing and are there differences between establishing rates and maybe how can guys get the work done when, when they're at probably the busiest time of the year? 
Yeah, I suppose that that is the difficulty sometimes with rape, especially if the harvest runs late, you know, I suppose ideally we want to get rape sown in, in the month of August. And I suppose there, there are a few reasons for that, I suppose, getting it in, you know, in the month of August or certainly maybe the latest early September, you know, timely sowing is crucial really for, for good establishment. And, and the good establishment is essential for high yields really because one of the major pests that we tend to have are the likes of slugs and pigeons, especially in the spring, you know, and late sowing, you just don't get that canopy development in time. And, you know, you tend to get uh, a lot more, especially like the pigeon grazing, you know, and I suppose to also well-established crop, you know, certainly from a weed competition point of view as well is, 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 is beneficial. So, you know, ideally getting that, that crop in before the end of August, maybe a little bit of leeway for, for growers further south. Um, I'm you know, curious, is there any differences between how guys establish them between plow-based systems or direct drill systems? Yeah, well, there's um, research that was done at Oak Park on, on the crop establishment trials show that whether it's plow base, min till, strip till, or including the subsoil or leg systems, that they were all actually capable of, of, of giving high yields. So I suppose the plow system is probably most reliable, but all systems in those trials were capable of, of delivering high yields. Uh, in terms of row widths, you know, they went as far as 500, 600 millimetres and it didn't hinder the yield potential. But I suppose the advice always, in, especially in the likes of strip till systems, is maybe to increase that seed rate by 10 to 15 percent, especially when you're you're using wider rows, you know. Yeah. And, and I suppose it's it, it, they are to do provide a, a very quick and a, a quick way of getting the crop into the ground when guys are busy. In terms of varieties, Kieran, I see the department have published their recommended list in the last week or ten days. What should a guy be looking out for um, when they look at the, at the department recommended list? Yeah, I, I, I suppose from my own perspective, I mean, the first thing is to look at the, the recommended list. Um, you know, varieties that are on the recommended list, you know, they've been grown in Ireland for a minimum of, of, of three years in Irish conditions. So, you know, a grower can satisfy him or herself that, you know, this variety is suitable for Ireland. I suppose it happens a little bit with, with, with all crops, but I, I suppose rape a little bit more. So at times where a variety might do well in the UK, try in Ireland for one season, you know, it doesn't do well, and then you know you're 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 left with the with the cost of that. So I think really concentrating on the recommended list is the is the key uh, area there. And like I mean, in terms of technology, I think I remember when. I, I suppose I would have been looking at rape first, you know, pod uh, shedding of grains at harvest, you know, was a huge worry. Lodging was certainly a huge concern, but in fairness to the breeders, you know, there's been very good advances in breeding technology in, in recent years. And, you know, we've now varieties with excellent pod shatter resistance, you know, disease resistance is increasing, you know, and we also have good turnip uh, virus yellow resistance in some varieties as well you know so you know i suppose overall you're looking for a combination of of, of all of those traits but i suppose the one if i was to single out one trait in terms of disease resistance it would be light leaf spot you know that's that's a crucial one and can be a big yield robber if if, if it gets going there in in the early part of the spring yeah, so growers shouldn't just be looking at the top line, which is the relative yield, in terms of, of using that to select their varieties. It's all the other characteristics, really, that they, 
that they should be taking into account as well, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. You know, top line yield is fine, but you know, if you if you're in a situation of high disease pressure or lodging, I suppose is another one as well to mention. Like you know, um, you know, you, you need those things right. Yeah. Yeah, and in terms of seed rate, Kieran, I mean, there's hybrids and there's conventionals on the recommended list. Is there a difference in terms of seeding rate uh, for those yeah. varieties? Work done by Chagas now. It's 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 quite a few years old now, but w- would have shown that there would have been there wouldn't have been a huge difference between conventional and hybrids. But having said that, your seeding rate, I suppose, number one depends on your soil conditions. But we'll just assume that soil conditions are reasonably good in in August. So you're looking at a range of maybe fifty to eighty seeds with the conventional varieties at the higher end of that. Now most of the the seed companies will will pack the seeds in bags. So it might be a you know a five hectare pack or a three hectare pack or that. So that's normally a, a good guide anyway. But normally in that range of fifty to eighty seeds per per square meter. And we were mentioning earlier on as well. I mean about the workload that guys have at this time of the year. And one of the things that sometimes can put guys off growing oilseed rape is the fact that they have to go and spray it um, almost as soon as they as they sow it for for herbicides or with herbicides. Are these essential now uh, pre-emergent herbicides are they necessary anymore or should guys be using them yeah well i suppose there are uh, post-emergent options and in fairness there, there are much better post-emergent op- post-emergence options now than there were would have been a few years ago so you know a lot of growers have you know opted for that and you mentioned earlier on about the, the pressure during a busy harvest and i suppose that's another job that has to be done i suppose ideally you know i suppose herbicide choice generally obviously depends on the weeds that are present um pre-emerge is ideal if you can do it but there are good post Emergent, uh, post-emergence opportunities and I suppose it is important maybe to say in terms of the pre-ems you know it needs to be on before uh, the seed chits you know and as well um, just to avoid heavy rainfall after application as well so they're they're two crucial cr- crucial p- pieces of, uh, of the pre-emerge scene. Yeah uh, one interesting piece of technology that I've seen has, has become popular in the last couple of years this whole area of clear field varieties um, you might just explain what are clear field varieties and why why might growers consider using them? Yeah, it's 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 a very useful technology. Uh, so clear field varieties, they're, they're hybrid varieties, first of all, um, and they're generally grown in where you might have difficult weed situations where, where brassicas are present. OK, so if you've got brassicas, obviously, it's 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 very difficult to, to control those, uh, especially volunteer rape or maybe like it's of ranch. We do have a herbicide called salsa, which does give good control of of, of charlock a lot of growers have successfully used that but you know you might have hedge mustard ranch some of those volunteer rapes so clear field varieties can be used in this situation and they're they're sprayed with a specific herbicide uh, called cleranda and that 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 will control uh, brassica weeds within the within the crop and i suppose it's important you know the clear field varieties they can be recognized by the the letter cl in the name and i suppose that's just important in terms of, of, of getting the herbicide right afterwards as well. So I'm right in saying then that if if a guy wasn't sure of what variety he has, he has to look and make look at the look at the the CL at the end of the end of the name of the of the variety. Otherwise, if he uses that Clearanda herbicide on conventional rape, he could be in trouble. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So the Clearenda is specifically just for uh, the Clearfield varieties, which are denoted by the the CL at the at the end of the of the end of the name. Now, I suppose they're probably not for everybody, but they're very very useful in a situation. It may open up a field that you know wouldn't have been suitable for um, oilseed rape up to now because of a brassica weed problem. So they are very useful in in in, in that situation. And do they yield and perform as well as as conventional variety or normal variety? Should we? Um, I, I suppose they tend to be slightly lower yielding. Now, I suppose that's part of the breeding technology and a little bit of a lag there. So I suppose they generally will be, you know, a little bit of a lag in terms of yield with the conventional varieties there. But if you have a field that you've got a brassica problem, you know, well, the, the clear field variety in that situation will, will probably out yield the conventional. So I suppose it's, it's horses for courses, really. Exactly. Exactly. And in terms of uh, fertilizer, Kieran, um, some guys use starter fertilizers, more guys don't. What's your opinion on using fertilizer uh, at, at sowing time? I suppose the, the, the first thing is to, to make sure the pH is right. Ideally, you're looking for 6.5 or, or, or a little bit higher. So above 6.5, that, that would be the starting point. P and K can be implied in the autumn or some people will will, will wait for till the spring. So maybe 0, 10, 20 or, or that is, is, um, is, is, is often used. Nitrogen, generally speaking, there's normally, and especially in a year like this, there's probably enough nitrogen in the soil um you know for 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 the oilseed rape plant but having said that winter oilseed rape is very efficient at utilizing nitrogen so the likes of organic manures might have a role there so pig cattle slurry poultry litter would be very useful there and as i said brassicas are very efficient at using that nitrogen and, and maybe helping to to build that canopy and i suppose the organic manures might be very useful as well if the crop was sown slightly later as well so that bit of nitrogen may be helping in, in in that situation and one of the reasons why uh, if we look at the british media why oilseed rape area has declined in, in 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 the uk is the problem with cabbage stem flea beetle is it much of a problem in ireland and how would guys recognize it um it, it it hasn't to date no we we, we haven't had a, a huge problem and i suppose in terms of um in 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 terms of the uk i mean sometimes the problem can be so severe the farmer hardly ever gets to see the crop i mean the population is so high that they they they, they literally take it as as it's coming up as i say in ireland or you know eight and a half odd thousand hectares we haven't had that that issue yet and i suppose it may be you know something that we might see down the road uh but also to opens up an opportunity because the, the amount of rape that's been grown in the UK, our nearest neighbour, has decreased. So, you know, as I said at the start, some of our rape is, is exported. So it may create some some markets for our oilseed rape as well. And how will guys recognise it if they if they if they suspect it in, in a crop? Little shot holing in the in the in the leaves is generally the the the, the giveaway symptom. The the little beetle you'll see them hopping around. They generally hop from 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 plant to plant, but little shot holing in the leaves would be would be the would be the symptom. And I suppose finally and probably most pertinently, in terms of profitability, you mentioned it earlier on. Is this on its own and it's one of the problems I suppose with a lot of bread crops? Is oilseed rape, winter oilseed rape, a profitable crop to grow for farmers? Do you think? Yeah, I suppose the perception out there is that it isn't, but 
when target yields are met, I mean, it's it's actually more profitable than spring feed barley. You know, that's our own Chagas customer returns that we that we do every year. So, you know, in that context, and spring barley is is is, is the biggest crop, most widely grown crop that's that's grown in in the country. Um, but I think you also have to factor in, you know, the succeeding crops. You know, winter wheat is our most profitable crop, and the highest yields of winter wheat come after good break crops like oilseed rape. So. I don't think while it can stand on its own uh, on, a, on, a, on a single year, but I think the profitability, you know, has been has to be viewed over the duration of the, the rotation. And I think another, you know, um, positive for oilseed rape is most merchants that buy oilseed rape will offer a, a forward price, you know. So there's great comfort in, you know, you might need to finish this year's harvest and you could have start, the start of next year's harvest in the ground guaranteed price you know a willing buyer so that's 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 a good help with, with those contracts there and I suppose finally the price I mean we've seen huge fluctuations in cereal price uh, from year to year but in fairness in recent years the the oilseed rate price has remained relatively consistent and probably less variable than, than cereals overall. Okay and I think that's the point we do have to look at at the, the the profitability over a couple of years with, with the crop. Listen, thanks for that, Kieran. That's 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 brilliant. You're welcome, Chef. That's it for this week's episode of the Tilly Edge podcast. And thanks to Kieran Collins for joining me on the show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss a show. For more farming information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Shay Phelan. Thank you for listening. And our podcast will be back again next week with more tillage news and advice.